Hello, and welcome to The Therapist Mindset. I'm your host, Jamie Bonaiuto, licensed professional counselor, licensed alcohol and drug counselor, registered yoga instructor, and Reiki master. The Therapist Mindset brings you evidence-based therapies with a spiritual backbone. Through mindfulness, we grow and change. Thank you so much for being here today. And I want to thank you in advance for your continued support of The Therapist Mindset. If you would like to continue to support this podcast, I would be so, so very grateful. Please give us a five-star review, a follow, and a share. My heart is so full. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now let's get started. Welcome back to The Therapist Mindset, and I'm so excited to talk to you today about parenting. And why am I doing this? Because I want to normalize for you that this shit is hard and we are all inadequate or feel inadequate at least some of the time. Today was the last day of school. Now, traditionally, my sister takes my daughter and her daughter out to celebrate the last day of school. And because I had an unusually busy day for our Tuesday today, I was so grateful that she wanted to take this celebration on again this year. So today was the last day of sixth grade for my daughter and the last day of seventh grade for my niece. And my sister took them out to eat and then shopping and then to get dessert. And I was just so glad. So. I don't know if any of you have ever had a 12-year-old. I don't think there's gender differences here um, because I talk to boy moms and they say similar things. 12-year-olds, 12, that's when it's about to happen. This is when shit gets real. Shit is getting real and it's about to hit the fan. A 12-year-old speaks 12-year-old, or should we say speaks attitude problem and this is developmentally appropriate they're trying to figure out who they are what their interests in what their likes and dislikes are they're trying to fit into a friend group it's appropriate they start to want to step away from being that perceived child that baby they don't want to be babied anymore they want independence and they're trying to navigate puberty and hormones and ah. I can't even imagine going through that again, right? So my 12-year-old went with my sister today like she does every year. And let me tell you, this child is not deprived. I try my best to not spoil her. But as I've mentioned before on this podcast, I, since my divorce was so rough, I overcompensated. I was totally codependent in my marriage for over a decade. And I totally overcompensated for that person abandoning my child by buying her things. If I couldn't fix it with buying material things, I couldn't tolerate her pain. And now we all know that buying things like a $4,000 cat who died anyway, hello universe, thanks God, that really um, is a wake up call. We all know that buying things 
does not fix the wounds, does not heal the traumas. And we also know that it doesn't take away the discomfort for the person. But what I realized is that in my own codependency, me buying her things made me feel better. Me buying her things was how I was able to feel better and feel like I had some control over all these things that I didn't have control over, like her father not speaking to her, like her father not showing up for visits or returning phone calls. So the codependency, when we're using material items or purchases or finances of any sort to control to lessen the discomfort. It's never about the other person. We're delusional enough to think that it is until we gain that insight and self-awareness. Originally, we think we're doing all of this for the other person, right? But then you have to take that hard look in the mirror and really say, this actually is self-serving. This is what I'm doing for me because I can't tolerate being a witness to her pain. I can't tolerate not being able to fix it. I can't tolerate not being able to swoop in and rescue because there isn't any fix it and it's impossible to rescue. I had to tolerate her discomfort. And that's really the healthiest thing in the end is to teach our children how to tolerate the pain, how to tolerate the discomfort, how to tolerate the heartbreak, because there's going to be plenty more of that heartbreak, plenty more tears, plenty more discomfort as we grow, as we live, because that's what life is. It's ebbs and flows. It's ups and downs. It's the good times and the bad, the sunshine and the rain, all the sayings in the world. That's what it is. And a $4,000 cat isn't going to fix it. So Let me get back to my story. My sister took them to lunch. She, they went shopping. They got to pick one outfit each. And then they went to their favorite like specialty cookie store and bought cookies. Can I tell you when I say this child doesn't go without, I've explained my codependency resulted in her not going without a thing. She had gotten, like I very rarely had said no. I'm working on that now. But is she appreciative? Do I feel like it's reciprocated? Not that a child is going to return the favor or buy you things, but is is there a sense of gratitude, a sense of being appreciated? So going back to codependency, that's where codependents often become regretful, whether it's with a child, whether it's with an intimate partner, In any relationship, the codependent is giving and giving and giving and then resentful when it's not appreciated, when it's not reciprocated. So when I I had taken the cat to the vet and then I went and picked up both girls and we were going back to my house and my child was raving, raving about her day with my sister raving about the best cheeseburger she ever got. It had bacon. It had cheddar cheese. It had pickles. Whoa. It was a miracle. It was the best thing she's ever eaten. 
the dressing room at the place. They went to the store. It was so expensive. I've never been there before. Zia let us try on all the things. Zia let us do this. Zia let us do that. The dressing room, it had a whiteboard, I guess, where they wrote your name on it. So you know who's in that dressing room. I don't know. I've never been to that store. I don't think it's that pricey. I think it's like moderately pricey, but they sell athletic gear. Um, and then the dessert place. Now, mind you, I had gotten her these cookies over the weekends, but you know, we went through the whole cookies. So she was ranting and raving about the day. I was just, my heart was full because she was just so happy. And I was so glad that she enjoyed her last day of school and then had the traditional celebration after. But as she went into the evening ranting about this beautiful day with my sister, I remembered a podcast I was listening to that was talking about parenting. And when I had listened to this podcast, and I I apologize because I can't remember the name of it, but I will at some point and I will pass that along. But they were talking about how it's developmentally appropriate that adolescents will begin to separate from their primary caregivers, from their parents, and there's more weight on what the peer group is doing, on what their friends are doing, and they really, you know, it's normal, it's appropriate for them to have this sense of rebellion, to not want to listen, to push back on what the parents are saying, and that doesn't mean that we still shouldn't set boundaries, guidelines, or discipline but that it's developmentally appropriate and we expect this. What I found interesting about what the podcast was saying was how to handle this. So instead of losing my shit, like I may often do, the remedy really is to explore your circle. Explore the circle that your child is hanging out with. So if they're not going to listen to you, then make sure in their circle, in their social circle, that they have friends or parents of friends that they will listen to because they will listen to the, the friends, the peer group, and they will listen to those people's parents. They're not going to listen to you, but they'll listen to their best friend's parents instead. So you want to set up your child with a peer group where you have trust in the parents. So if my child isn't going to listen to me, but chooses to go to my sister for advice, I trust that she is giving that kid good advice. You know, kind of investigating the parents of the children your children hang out with. Are those parents parents that you would want giving advice to your kid? Are those parents parents that you would want your kid confiding in because they're going to tell that kid's parents what they're not going to tell you. And I found that really interesting. I found that, you know, I was just kind of like, huh, I never really thought about that before. I mean, obviously, I know that it's normal and appropriate that they're going to have like pushback for me, that she's going to not want to listen to me, that she's going to give me an attitude from hell. I know she's going to listen to her friends more than she listens to me, but the idea that she might also confide or go to those friends and her cousin is her best friend. So go to those kids, parents, 
was something that I never really thought of. It didn't occur to me. So that's really my challenge right now is kind of looking at, obviously I trust my sister, but who else are the parents of my child's best friends? And how well do I know them? And maybe I should be making more of an effort to get them to know them better, to get to know them better, because these are the people that my child might confide in when they're not feeling comfortable or they don't want to disclose something to me. And so I had said jokingly to my sister, well, maybe I should just have you take her shopping all the time and I'll start not taking her myself because then at least she's really grateful. (laughs) And I know it's appropriate and I know it's expected, but it still feels better when they have some appreciation. So your child, especially if you have a teen or a preteen like I do, if they're not appreciated you, if they're not showing gratitude, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It just means that they are entering adolescence and that is what they do. And it doesn't mean that then we shouldn't set boundaries, that we shouldn't continue to stick to our guns and, you know, follow through with consequences like grounding or limiting screen time. It just means that it's expected that they're going to blow up at us or they're going to be grumpy or they're going to be just kind of have a bad attitude on a daily basis. And that doesn't have anything to do with us being inadequate. So let's talk about inadequacy. So what, what is inadequacy? What does it mean to feel inadequate? So feeling inadequate means that somebody feels like they do not have the qualities and abilities necessary to do something or to cope with life in general. Synonyms include incompetence, inability, deficiency, incapacity. And now as a licensed mental health clinician working in a sex offender program, like working with the inmate population, the sex offending population, we talk about feeling inadequate a lot because that's a risk factor for sexual offenses, a feeling of inadequacy. But I never really kind of generalized it to the to civilians, to the general public, to parents, to me, you know? So I think motherhood allows us to become humbled and everyone feels inadequate as a mother or as a father, I imagine too. But speaking for myself, everyone, I think everyone feels inadequate at some point in parenting. I think that it is expected, it is normal, it is um, appropriate. What we do about it then dictates how we parent. So the best thing to do about it is to talk about it so that you know you are not alone and validate that this is something I feel inadequate. I did this or I handled something this way. 
And if you talk about it, the more you talk about it, the more you will realize that you are not alone. We're all doing it. None of us know what we're doing. This stuff is hard. <coughs> One second. Okay. So what causes feelings of inadequacy? So like I said before, I never really felt this way before until I became a mother. So I think feeling inadequate can come at any time in our lives, especially when we're in uncharted waters, right? Especially when we're doing something we've never done before. And I was talking to my boss about this today because she also has a 12-year-old. And they were talking about something about sports she was talking about with her son. And his response was, well, I don't know how to do that. I've never done it before. And her response to him was, well, neither does anybody else that's going to be there. Nobody's done it before. So I think feeling inadequate could come at any time if we are venturing into uncharted waters, if we are about to participate in something that we've never done before, like parenting. So even if you're a parent of three children or more than one child, each child is so different that you're going to run into things that you've never encountered before. So a feeling of inadequacy arises when we feel like we're not doing enough or when we're not good enough or not capable to do what we participate in, perform the act, you know, carry out what we're supposed to be doing. Feelings may have a lot more to do with self-esteem or low confidence, but they really are about your feeling of how competent you are in doing whatever it is you're doing, like parenting. How competent am I? How confident am I in my ability to parent an adolescent? Not so much. The honest answer is not so much. I have no idea what I'm going to fucking do. I have no idea, but we are doing it. We're going to do it. Here we go. So Psychology Today wrote an article, How to Overcome Feeling Inadequate. Uh, I don't see a date on here. I don't remember when, I don't see when this was published. But how to overcome feeling inadequate. So according to Psychology Today, feeling inadequacy arises when we're not feeling like we're good enough. Sometimes this has to do with performance, but other times it has to do with self-esteem or self-confidence. Um, This article quotes the American Psychological Association, which defines inadequacy complex, or more commonly known as an inferiority complex, as a feeling of inadequacy or insecurity coming from actual or imagined physical or psychological deficiencies. This feeling of being less than or inferior to others can often cause us to shut down or withdraw or act aggressively depending on our coping styles. So let me just dive a little deeper into this. So the APA, the American Psychological Association, defines, (coughs) excuse me, defines 
in an adequacy complex. So it's not a psychological disorder. This isn't something we're diagnosing that's diagnosable, but something that is also called an inferiority complex. And that is when people feel inadequate or insecure. And this could be actual, like in reality or imagined. So that means like I could feel inadequate or insecure about being an Olympic gymnast. Now that's a real feeling that's reality based because I'm not trained to be a gymnast. So if I feel inadequate because you throw me on the mat and tell me I have to compete, that's based in reality. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm not trained. I'm not competent. Or it could be based in psychological deficiencies. So that would mean like negative self-talk, that inner critic in your head being a perfectionist. So you might be a very skilled and competent gymnast. You might have even gone and been on the Olympic team. But that inner critic in your mind is telling you you're not good enough, you're not competent. And people cope with this feeling of inadequacy or insecurity by shutting down, which is a stress response. So this is fight or flight, fight, flight, or freeze. Shutting down is freezing. That's a stress response or acting aggressively, fighting. So the feeling of inadequacy or insecurity actually taps in to our physiological stress response. It causes us to feel so unsafe in the world Feeling inadequate causes us to feel so unsafe in this world that our body automatically goes into fight or freeze mode by shutting down or fighting. Some other signs that you may feel inadequate is feeling irritable, low motivation, some depression, like low-level depression, or feeling withdrawn, like you isolate, you're quiet or shy. How do you overcome feelings of inadequacy? Look at your expectations. So ask yourself, are my expectations realistic? So if I'm expected to, again, make an Olympic gymnast team, that's not a realistic expectation. Seek help from others. You know, like I said before, The best way to feel validated is to know you're not alone. So when we start talking about it, when we seek help from others, then we no longer feel alone and we're less isolated. Build your skills, whether that's your emotional health or your physical health, build your skills. We need to train our brains. So if you're feeling inadequate because of that inner critic in your head, Build that muscle, practice your positive affirmations, do cognitive behavioral therapy with a licensed clinician. If it's physical, something physical, labor, work related, again, build your skills. Practice, 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 practice consistent, practice builds competency, which is the remedy for feeling inadequate. 
So like one thing I feel super inadequate at work about is writing and delivering testimony in court. I suck. I'm terrible. And I know that I'm terrible because I haven't gotten the greatest feedback. I haven't gotten terrible feedback, but I think that's because people like me. Um, I know my boss likes me, so she probably was like, like she gives honest feedback, but it probably was like a little nicer, like then Jamie, you sucked. Um, and I said, I would like to do this more. And then I avoided doing it more because I feel so inadequate. So building your skills, practicing, consistent practice, and then cultivate emotion regulation skills. So we need to regulate our emotions and that will help us not go into that stress response, not freeze up and withdrawal and not fight and become aggressive. So emotion regulation is learning how to regulate your nervous system. We do this in a variety of ways. We do this with meditation. We do this with mindfulness. Um, So mindfulness and meditation are a little different, but with mindfulness, you could do mindful toothbrushing, mindful walking, mindful eating, but anything that slows you down and allows you to incorporate all of your senses in the activity is a mindfulness activity. Other ways to regulate your nervous system are through breath work. So check out my previous podcast on retraining your brain. I think it's the episode right before this one. And I go over different breath work activities that will help regulate your nervous system. But things like singing, dancing, that also helps regulate your nervous system. Practice self-compassion. So when we're feeling a sense of inadequacy, a lot of times we're also shaming ourselves or beating ourselves up. Like, why did you do this? Or you're a bad mom. So really allowing yourself to have a sense of compassion. Build a growth mindset. Have the mindset that I'm growing and improving So a failure is not a failure. It's an opportunity for growth. And where I feel inadequate, I can build those deficits. I can practice and become adequate. And pull from examples from your past. When was a time in the past that you felt inadequate and incompetent in what you were doing? And how do you feel now about it? I remember my first job out of grad school, I was working at a local clinic and I was running intensive outpatient program groups. And I recall feeling so inadequate because I was young and it was an adult clinic and I had previously only worked with children. And I realized I worked with children because I felt inadequate working with adults. I was like, oh, this kid isn't gonna like ask me a million questions about my education and experience, but I was terrified of working with people older than me. So I had this mantra and I would envision these words like kind of scrolling across my head. 
And the mantra is, I'm competent, I'm qualified, I'm competent, I'm qualified. And I've come back to that mantra several times in my career. And I've come back to that mantra even in my testimony, right? Delivery and writing, like before court, I'm like, I'm competent, I'm qualified. And then I have to tell that inner critic to just shut up because I'm like, I'm confident, I'm qualified, but you suck at this. And then you have to have this argument with yourself. Well, I know based on my experience that I could get better because I can run an IOP group now with my eyes closed. I, you know, it's great to prepare for that, but I can probably go in there and wing it. Like if somebody was out sick, I could probably just step in with like five minutes notice. So that's competency. That's a feeling of adequacy. Where did that come from? I certainly wasn't born with it. It developed over time with practice. So pulling from our past experiences to remind us that this isn't the first time and it won't be the last, but you will not feel inadequate forever. You will be able to build that growth by practicing, by building your skills. And then focus on your strengths. What are your strengths? Do things that play to your strengths. You can put all of your strengths in a basket, identify them, and then ask yourselves, how can I use these strengths to my advantage? All right, let's get into the meditation. That was a lot, but I feel great. Thank you for listening to me waffle along about that for like 30 minutes. I hope it resonates with some of you because I want you to know that you are not alone. I'm here with you and so are millions of others. So let's find, you know, a seat on the floor, your meditation pillow, a chair, wherever you feel confident that you can take some space just for yourself. Get settled into that seated position. Give yourself permission to turn everything else off and allow yourself to breathe. I like to rock back and forth, side to side, until I find my center. And let's turn our attention to the breath. Taking full inhalations through your nose and complete exhalations through your mouth. Notice any tightness, any tension. Where in your body do you feel tightness or tension just be mind of mindful of it let it go you might want to open your mouth stick out your tongue to release your jaw drop your shoulders from your ears and I invite you just to release that tension With every exhalation, you relax more deeply 
and more completely. If your mind starts to wander, don't judge it. Just be aware and focus your attention back onto your breath. Now I invite you to say either to yourself in your mind or out loud these affirmations. I am comfortable with who I am. I am confident being me. The people around me enjoy spending time with me. I approach new situations and experiences with confidence. I believe in my abilities. I am not afraid to take risks. I am confident in my ability to adapt. I seek only validation from myself. I respect myself. I choose to support myself. I am confident in my boundaries. I am allowed to let go of people who harm me. I deserve to feel strong and confident. I am confident in my beliefs without judgment. I deserve to believe in myself. Every part of me is worthy, even my flaws and imperfections. My confidence is contagious. I already have everything I need. I am confident that everything I envision for my life is possible. 
I am smart. I am persistent. I am capable. I am smart. I am persistent. I am capable. Obstacles and barriers motivate me. My mood is not dependent on the mood or opinions of others. I am confident in my decisions. I express my authentic self with ease. Confidence comes to me easily. I love the confident person I am becoming. Now I want to take a moment and I invite you to think of a color, the color of confidence. This color can be any color that you like. The first color that comes to mind, that's your color. Imagine this color of confidence floating right above your crown chakra. That's right above your head where a crown would sit. Just allow it to sit there. Envision it floating above your head. Now imagine it making a little swirly shape and it swirls around your head. Imagine this color swirling around your neck your shoulders and your heart, getting into every cell and every fiber of your being. Allow that confidence to circulate through you and within you, down your arms, in through your abdomen, out your back. Envision this cloud of confidence, this color of confidence, radiating through your pelvic area, around your hips, down your legs, encircling your ankles, and resting in your feet, where you are grounded in confidence. You are firm in confidence. Confidence is within you, it is you. Taking a big inhale through your nose and a cleansing exhale. Inhale, confidence, I am confident. And exhale, any doubt. One more. Inhale, confidence, I am confidence. Hold at the top. And big exhale, sigh out all that doubt and resistance. Yes, that feels good. I love you guys. Thank you so much for sharing this with me. If you want to continue to support the therapist mindset, again, 
please give us a follow, a five-star review, and share, 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 share. If you have any feedback or ideas for a new podcast topic, please email me at thetherapistmindset at gmail.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you. May you be well. Namaste.